Welcome to Journey Church On Demand. We pray that you are encouraged by this message. For more information, visit us online at journeychurchdfw.com. Anyways, we're going to talk this morning about re- reset and the idea of renewing. And, and it's week three of this series. And I'm really excited about it. You know, we're talking about how we need to be, have a reset in our lives Week one on Easter, we talked about reset through the idea of reflection, where we could reflect on the things that Jesus did. And we looked at it through the eyes of the, the Roman centurion, who was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. And then last week, Pastor Sterling continued. I've not had a chance to listen to it yet. My, my Wi-Fi was spotty at best. Uh, but he talked about the idea of reviving and, and that whole idea of moving us forward. Today, we're going to look at the idea of renewal. Renewal. So let me ask you something. How many of you have ever had to go to the DPS or the DMV, whatever you might call it, to renew your driver's license? Okay. Now, how many of you know you can do it online or through mail so many times and then you have to go in? And the thing is, I don't know about you guys, but every time I renew mine, I'm like, oh, come on, baby. Let this be a time I can renew online. Oh, come on. And then last year, oh. I had to go to the DPS. And when I arrived last year on my birthday, I get out of my truck and all of Northeast Tarrant County is at the DPS at that exact moment. You know what I'm talking about? The the line was roughly three and a half to four miles long. There were people with pup tents. Weird. People were like streaming stuff on their phones, like, you know, like, look at them shaved in days. And I mean, it's like, oh man. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. I would like to tell you that I'm a, I'm, I'm a spiritual man of faith, but at that moment, there was very little sanctification. No, no, I'm just kidding. But I'm standing there and I'm like, oh, and my attitude was probably not the best attitude. I know that shocks you. I just blew all of your theology out of the water. I did not have a good attitude. I walk in there to see, you know, what, 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 what kind of time frame I'm looking at. And I walk in and my daughter, her best friend in high school's mom works at the DPS. And I walked in and she goes, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, I've got to renew my driver's license. She goes, come with me. And I'm like, I knew it. There's some sort of secret, like, handshake, elbow. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I knew there was some club. And now, I'm in. You know what I'm talking about? Life is good. So we go, and she takes me, and she's like, come with me. Not quite that bad, but it was not far from it. She takes me in, and I sat over in this other area, and I got to renew my license in like 10 minutes. All of a sudden, I was an MVP at the DMV. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Woo! I did. Got my license renewed and I walked out like, you know? But I'm telling you, I, I tell you that because it's an unfortunate part of life sometimes, isn't it? So when I knew I was going to be working on this message about a month ago or so, I threw out on Facebook, what are the things need to be renewed? What do you need to renew? I got professional licenses. I have to renew mine every year. You know, uh, I also got other options like um, wedding vows. Uh, your car, your house can be renewed or restored. 
uh, a renewed focus. How many of you know sometimes you go through things like, okay, lock him back in. You know, uh, how about a renewed attitude? Oh, he already went there, didn't he? Yeah. Sometimes our attitudes need to be renewed. Uh, okay, maybe it's just my attitude needs to be renewed. But that, there is a piece to that, right? How about um, your vehicle registration? That's another beating, isn't it? You have to go get it inspected. And then there are three people. How many of you ever noticed this? This is a little side note. You walk in to get your, your, your tags. There are three people in the room. And yet your, your little sticker shows you're like 44 people from going up. It's like, are they hiding behind the desk? What, what are they doing here? That's always a beating too. Um, how about I, another one? I have a commitment to health. We're going to renew our commitment to health. How many of you have ever said this? Don't really raise your hands. Okay, you know what? Starting Monday. <laughs> Starting Monday, I'm going to eat right. Starting Monday, I'm going to get up. I'm getting up at four o'clock in the morning. I'm going to get up and I'm going to work out for six hours before I go to work. How many of you? Yeah? And then what happens? Monday morning, the alarm goes off. He goes, next Monday. <laughs> right? And then Tuesday morning, Monday. So what we think when we think Monday, it means I get to eat like garbage between now and Monday. Right? Just me? Okay. Anyways, the whole idea, there are so many things that we can do. Vision. A renewed vision. Uh, so many pieces. That's what we talked a lot about for our church. So there are a lot of things that need to be renewed in our lives. But when you think about renewal... It can mean a freshness, a brightness, restoring value to something. So I want to take just a moment and talk about what does renew mean for us corporately as a church. If you're a guest today and you came yesterday, then you saw where our church is today. Did you follow that? If you served yesterday, if you're one of the 80 plus rock star volunteers that served yesterday... Yeah, you guys tore it up. If you're one of those volunteers that served yesterday and you're serving today, you're seeing where the Lord's leading us as a church. You've seen a lot of neat things that God is doing. There's that renewed vision and that renewed mission that he's leading us. We're on a journey together. We believe that God has called us and we're committed as a church to be what God called us to be. So to define who God has really called us to be, it's this way. That we are a multi-generational church that experiences God's life-changing presence together. Come as you are as we embrace faith and diversity as connected believers. Through faith, relationships, relevant biblical teachings, and discussion, we develop passionate followers of Christ of all ages. As we journey to discover our unique gifts, we boldly impact families, communities, and our world with the hope of Jesus. That's who we are. Now, how are you going to remember all of that? I, I actually do now, but probably most of us don't. But here's what this really looks like. Experiencing Connecting and growing. That's it. We want to be experiencing God's life-changing presence together regularly. We want to live a life of being connected to one another and doing life together. God never intended Christians to be Lone Rangers. Well, I don't know. I don't need any friends. Well, then you're not really paying attention to the way you were made. And then growing, that we're growing in our personal walks. And we're being a part of growing the community, growing the kingdom of Christ. That's what we're be about.
So that's what that looks like for us corporately. We talked a little bit about that. But what about us personally? Let's spend some time on this now. What are some areas in our lives we want to renew? Maybe, maybe you want to see renewal in your family. Maybe you want to see renewal in your marriage. Maybe renewal in your health. Maybe renewal in your spiritual life. Well, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians when he's talking about renewal. He's writing to the people in the city of Corinth who, in all honesty, are having a little trouble getting past themselves. And so he writes this in 2 Corinthians 5.16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. In other words, here's what Paul is saying. He said, from now on, from this moment on, we no longer look at people according to the standards of the world. Okay? In other words, he's saying, we don't look at people any longer from a worldly point of view. He said, we don't look at people by what we've always judged them by in the past. You don't look at someone the same way we used to look at them. We now look at them through a new lens. Let me give you an example. Back in October, if you were here when we started casting the vision of shifting the name, shifting the vision, shifting the church, I used an illustration of getting bifocals. I'm still not really in a good place with it. I'm not going to lie to you. But I will say this. Basically, long story short, I had, I had to get new glasses, and the, the like, four-year-old that was working on the other side of the counter, <laughs> she was like Doogie Hauser. All right, those of you, some of you are like, Doogie, what? Google it later, later. Okay, but she's on the other side of the counter. She's like, well, when you get over 40, you need bifocals. I'm like, I will punch you. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm sorry. I'll pray for her. How's that? Is that better? But she said, well, when we get over 40, and I'm like, well, I'm about to be 45, I guess so. So I got glasses, and they're like, we're going to give you progressive lenses. All right? And I was like, all right. So I put them on, and I'm not kidding you. I put them on to drive home. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to die. <laughs> I had to change other glasses, put my other glasses on. So I started getting used to them. But here's the thing. Now that I have the correct glasses, I see things better. I can see my iPad. I can see my Bible. I can see my computer. In the past, I, I, it would be one of these things. You know, my arms weren't quite long enough. Type of deal. Now I see the way it's intended. When we go from being the way we were, Paul is saying, and we take off the old, the old way of looking at things, we start to put on the way God intended, things start to click. And once we do that, we start to see things just a little bit better because even Paul said, hey, listen, I used to see Jesus through these lenses of being like this ultimate Jew and I just saw Jesus as this crazy eccentric teacher who honestly was a blasphemer. But then Paul, according to the book of, or Saul at the time, on the, on the road to, on the book of Acts, on the road to Damascus, he meets Jesus. And all of a sudden, he gets new glasses. He sees him differently, and now he sees him as the savior of the world. It shifted the way he saw things. And that's why Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians five seventeen. he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Now, can I just say, I could camp here. I could camp here for a long time. But basically what Paul's telling us is, look, the way we are when we're new in Christ, it changes things, but it can't just be a private thing. It's not just an internal change. It's got to be an outward thing too. It's a new way of living. It's a new way of life that comes from us being in him. He's saying, Paul's saying, look, that that was dead, 
is alive now in Christ. He's saying the way we see ourselves, the way we've understood ourselves, the way we felt about ourselves is now alive. So some of us in the house this morning, some of us watching on the stream this morning, you would say, you know what, I had dreams, but now they're dead. I've had hopes for my life, or I've had hopes for my marriage, I've had hopes for my children, but I feel like it's dead. I've had passions but they're kind of gone by the wayside. We feel like our desires, even our confidences, have kind of been laid on the side. But I'm telling you, when we really start to become who we are in Christ, and we start to walk in what God has for us, what happens is those dreams come back to life. Those hopes come back to life. Those passions come back to life. Those desires come back to life. And hear me when I say this, that confidence that you used to walk in comes back to life. Because guess what? It's not about you. It's about who Jesus is in you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You once were just tearing it up. You once felt like you could do anything for Christ. But lately, you feel so insignificant. I don't know who this is for, and this is not in my notes. You have felt like you just don't matter. You feel like, if anything, you're a big anchor dragging it down. And I want you to hear me this morning. Therefore, when you're in Christ, old things have become new. That passion, that calling, that zeal, that purpose is solidified again because it's not you. You're right. If it's left up to you, chalk it up, man. But Paul tells us in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do it through him. I'm not going to do it on my own. Stop trying. Stop trying. Because Paul's telling us that which was dead is alive in Christ. Okay? But here's what I love. Christ doesn't just bring new things to the table. Are you ready for this? He, he also subtracts some things as well. He takes away the things that were dead and he removes them. Those things that need to fall off of us. Those things that have hindered us. Those things that, that have encumbered us can start to break off. And fall off. The things that have gotten in your ear when you're by yourself and tell you you're really not going to amount to anything. Those things where you're, when you're in bed at night, how many of you know what I'm talking about? 3 a.m., that little voice can be screaming sometimes. When you're there and you're alone with your thoughts, I'm telling you. But I want you to understand you start to subtract some of those pieces away because you start to walk in the anointing and the authority of who you are in him. I'm getting ahead of myself, so I don't want to go there too far. But he makes that statement. Why? Because Christ, his sufferings paid the price. He paid that price all, that's why Paul said, if anyone be in Christ. That's what, you get all of that, you start to walk in that if you're abiding in him, if you're connected to him. And that idea of become, it implies something that happened in the past, but is continuing to happen into the present. Okay, so yes, you, you, when you make a decision to become a believer in Christ, you change. There is a change that happens. But are you ready for this? You continue to change. You continue to walk it out. I thank God that I am different 25 years into ministry from what I was my first week in ministry. 
I preach a lot longer too. But we start to walk that out. We start to really walk that piece out. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, he says, All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Here's what that means. Because if you, if you just read that at face value, you're like, what? I'll be real. I, 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 I can see that. But the fact of the matter is this, every one of us, we were born with sin in our lives. That's reality. Because Adam and Eve, they chose way back in the garden to disobey. They brought sin into our nature and we're born with that nature. You can't change that. You're like, that's just reality. That's who we are. We're born that way. But the beauty is, Paul tells us that, that what we earn for that is death, but Christ Paid the price, is what he's telling us, that we can receive the gift of eternal life. We can start to live that way, start to live into what God has for us. But that, so what I'm telling you with that in mind, with what Paul just said, is that while, yes, we were born with sin in our lives, we were born with that junk in our lives, Jesus took the initiative to, uh, to uh, reconcile. Are you, are you following me on that? Jesus is the one that came to us. Jesus went to us. He came to earth. He came to us to reconcile us to him, not him to us. Are you following me? Jesus was all about reconciling us back to him. We were the ones that were estranged. We were the ones that were set apart. And he took the first step. So you know what that means? Jesus is both the object and the initiation of reconciliation. Did you catch that? Jesus is the whole way we reconcile, and he's the one that drove it to bring it about. It's all about Jesus. If we miss that, we have trouble putting our theology together. Are you following me? That's an important thing that we really grab a hold of. That transformation, though, you can't make it happen. You can't. I don't care how hard you try, you cannot make it happen. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. A lot of us, if you grew up in church, maybe, maybe you grew up in church and you walked away from it, you've not been in church for a long time, whatever that might look like, we can have a mindset of, well, if I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this, and then I make sure I do this and this and this, and I make sure that I give, and I make sure that when I do give, I stand on one foot, and you know what I'm saying? And we try and do all of these things, you can't make that work. It's the Holy Spirit at work in your life that starts to change the way you live. Are you following me? Are you tracking with me this morning? He starts to do that work. Paul's telling you, you can't do it on your own. But you can't change the way you see yourself. You have to start to see yourself the way he sees you. Because we're sons of the living God. That's why Jesus tells us in John 15, he says, I'm the vine. I'm the vine. If you stay connected to the vine, you'll grow. You stay connected to the source. There's, there's life that flows through that. Most of us, when we really start to have major, major struggles, if we can look back, a lot of times, maybe we've disconnected a little bit from the vine. There's that, that piece that we start to grow. Because Jesus' death made it to where our sins couldn't be, they wouldn't be counted against us. And God allows that renewal. But he is, like I said, he's both the initiator, he's the object of our reconciliation. But God's reconciling us to him because of his amazing love. 
So let's talk about this for just a minute. How do, what does this look like? First thing I want you to understand is it should start to affect our understanding, our identity. Understanding your identity. Paul said that we are new in Christ, which means, are you following me? This is important. When we, when we start to understand our identity, we are no longer spiritual slaves. We are now spiritual sons. I, that fires me up. I am no longer a spiritual slave. I'm a spiritual son. Let me, let me, let me unpack this for you. I have two sons. I have a 16-year-old son and I have a 14-year-old son. And I liked when they were six and four. Okay, let me finish. Some of you are like already making fun of them. No, I got you. All right. When they were six and four, they were, they were getting ready to start t-ball and moving into coach pitch. And we, we wrestled and we did a lot of those things that, that dads do with their six-year-old and their four-year-old. Now they're 16 and 14. And it's different. I've watched them grow. I watch them grow. They, they still like sports, but I, they, they play video games. And my youngest, he can have your iPhone for about two minutes, and he can connect to NASA. I mean, he's going on, right? I mean, he can just figure it out. He's like, hey, Dad, listen, I figured out the specs of the inline rotor, and I, I inverted the, the hypotenuse of the, and I'm like, Psh, I don't know what that just said. But he, he did it, and he's like, check it out. You know, my, my 16-year-old, I've watched him grow in music and start to really thrive in what that looks like in his life. And, you, you know, you saw him up here playing lead guitar. And, and I'm telling you, every time he plays a solo, I cry like a little girl. You just need to know that and be okay with that. And if not, just don't look at me. Okay, this is me, Jesus. But here's the thing. I've watched them grow. And the thing is, at 6 and 4, 16 and 14, or... 46 and 44 are 86 and 84. They're still my boys. They always will be. Why? I'm their dad. And whether, most of the time, I think they're okay with it. But whether they like it or not, they've got my DNA in them. They are my sons. And nothing will change the fact that they are my sons. And I would do anything for them. They don't have to beg me for a meal. Now, they may have to beg me. They may feel like they have to beg me for, you know, things that plug in and charge, but that's, that's another story. But the fact is, the way it works is they're my sons. I'm their dad. And Jesus talked about that in Matthew 7, 9, in the New Living, when he said, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Here's what I want you to understand. If you are in Christ, like Paul talked about, if you really are that, then you are his son or his daughter. You're not having to grovel. You're not having to beg, borrow, and steal. Why? Because we've got to have a shift in our minds. We're no longer paupers. We're no longer beggars. We're no longer poor people. We are children of the living God. I don't think you're picking this up yet. We are children of the king. We get to walk in the authority of being children of God. Our dad is big and bad. Are you following me? He created this whole thing with a word. You don't think he can handle whatever's going on in your world? 
I want you to understand this one. I want you to grab a hold of this this morning. Stop seeing yourself as spiritually bankrupt. Stop seeing yourself as spiritually less than. Stop seeing yourself falling short of some artificial uh, level. Why? Because you are called. You are set apart and you are in Christ. And when you're in Christ, your identity is that of a spiritual son, no longer a spiritual slave. Renew your mind. Let God work in there. But a lot of us, we think, man, because I feel like I've got to work. I've got to earn it. And I'm not talking stop serving. That is dumb. All right? Just in case you're curious. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is this. You don't have to earn his favor. You don't have to earn his love. You don't have to earn his blessings. You don't have to work hard enough to do this or that. And are you ready for this? You don't have to get your life completely cleaned up before you come to him. Too often we're like, well, yeah, I'm going to go to the Lord, I'm, I'm, but I got to get this and this and this and all that. You know what I'm talking about? And God's like, just come to me. Just come to me. You know what that looks like for those of us that are seasoned believers? You know what that looks like for us? That means we love people. We don't try and fix people. That means we love people. We don't try and fix people. I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. God called us to be fishers of men, not cleaners of fish. He takes care of that. The Holy Spirit can do much better and do it quicker and doesn't hurt. Most of us, we may mean well, but well, we can beat people up if we're not careful. I'm talking Christians in general, not just in this room. Let's understand that's our job. It's just to love people. And we, we can point that way. Why? Because we're his sons. And he wants us to come to him. Are there areas in our lives we need to live differently? Absolutely. Absolutely. As we become more like Christ, there are things that need to fall away. Sin in our lives needs to be removed. Yes. But you don't earn it. Earlier, um, I'm down here during worship. And God dropped something on my heart. And I'm going to put it in here. This was not part of my notes either. But I realized... As we're singing that song, it was either Waymaker or um, Do It Again. And I started thinking about, I think there are a lot of people that have a really kind of messed up view of, of God. And, and it just, it, and God just really kind of downloaded this into my heart. Because I think some of us, when we think of God, we picture big, angry, lightning bolt God. Right? Just ready for you to make one mistake and blah, take you out. Then some of us, though, we got kind of a weird idea of God, too, because we only tend to picture God as like, you know, Jesus with the lamb on his shoulders in the pictures. Blonde hair, blue eyed. Which, that's not right. Sorry. Jesus was not European. Okay? Did I just ruin anybody's theology again? Sorry. But we tend to picture that, too. Now, what I want you to understand is Scripture is very clear that God will be vengeful, okay? He will bring judgment, okay? And yes, he's also this very loving, gentle God. But God's always a God of balance, okay? God's a God of balance. The Bible makes it very, very clear. You see both sides to God. 
What I want you to understand this morning is the way we see God is, is he, we need to understand that God is not just this angry God waiting for you to mess up, though. Does that make sense? He's not waiting on you to mess up so he can just come down on you. If anything, for thousands and thousands of years, he's made a way to say, I'm here. I'm right here. Just come to me. Because he sent his son to pay that price. So we need to shift our, our understanding of our identity. We need to see ourselves a little bit differently. Okay, I'm going to go quickly on these last two points because I spent a little longer than I intended. That's what happens when I have to preach through an interpreter. I had to cut half of it off last week. You guys are going to hear it. All right, so understand your identity. Number two, deal with your past. Deal with your past. And that's going to be two parts. The first part is this. In a room this size and on the stream, there are chances of people that, that really have a really difficult past. It may be with the, the way you see a father. It may be some of those things. But your past can really start to mess you up. And maybe, maybe it's even you were raised in church, okay? You were raised in church, but yet you made a series of, of poor choices, and that past haunts you, and you beat yourself up because of it. And I want to challenge you, take it to him and leave it there. Stop carrying it around. God's intention was not for you to, to keep carrying that bag of heavy burdens. He wants you to lay it down and be done with it. Get, let him have it. Deal with the past. Renewal means you see your past and you cut some things out. What I'm challenging you to do is stop rehashing it in your head. Okay? Stop rehashing it. Stop reliving it. Stop rehearsing it. Stop letting it define you. We are new in Christ. That means your past is gone. Let it be gone. The other side of the past is, like I told you, I need to go quickly. The other side of the past is the positive aspects of your past. The positive aspects of your past. This church has been here for 52 years. 52 years this October. Incredible things have happened. And I want you to hear me when I say this. This church has had her shares of ups and she's had her shares of downs. Many of you may not even be aware, but in the early aughts, this church was down to a very small group of really dedicated, committed people that kept the doors open. And it was down, I mean, down low. But they stood firm. And I really believe with all my heart, God will continue to honor and bless those because they fought to keep the doors open. I believe that. And then the merger happened in 03, and God has just blessed this church. But I want you to hear me when I say this. When we've talked about really redefining our vision and as we shifted our name, and I want to make sure everybody hears this when I say this, that we're going to be real intentional that we're not throwing that out. Okay? We're not throwing that out. Instead, we want to build on it. I know, I know that I know that as I stand right here, figuratively, I stand on Lloyd McCutcheon's shoulders. I understand that. And on David Rose and Paul Tedesco, all the way back to Doyle Brown. And should the Lord tarry in 25 years when I retire and God brings some other Yahoo in here? Yeah, yeah, that's real. He or she will stand on mine. That's the way it should be. That's the way the church is healthy. We're going to take the DNA that has driven this church to 51 years. We're going to take that and we're going to package it in. Let it be part of what propels us 
forward. It makes us move where we're going. So we're not tearing down, we're embracing and we're building upon. So there are certain pieces of your past you need to cut and do away with. Certain pieces of your past you need to embrace, love, and build upon. Does that make sense? All right, we'll move on. Number three. For some of us, as we do this, we need to have a galvanized sense of mission and practice. Once you've received your new identity in Christ, that should drive you to want to be more like Christ. Okay? He's leading us to be more about his purposes. This passage in in 2 Corinthians 5, a little bit further down, verse 21, Paul says that we are ambassadors. We're Christ's ambassadors. Some of you are singing that song right now, and you're welcome. Okay? But we're called to be that as we embrace this identity, as we start to embrace this vision, it should galvanize and drive us to do more than we've ever done. I need you to understand when I say this this morning. We should be more about what the master says and more about where the master leads. We should be more about what the master says and more about where the master leads. There is no such thing as retirement. It's just refiring. All right? Lock and load, baby, and do it again. If you have a a pulse, if you have breath in your body, God still has a purpose. I don't care if you're eight or 108, God's got something for you. God wants to use you in the mission and the purpose of the church. Okay? So we can't ever get to a point and say, well, I served my time, somebody else's turn. No, man. We got to jump in together. But I'm going to step on your toes for just a minute because I love you. But if you're not closer to Jesus and more like Jesus today than what you were a year ago, you need to search your heart. You can just sit there and go, hmm, okay, I got a a roast going, so. If you're not closer to Jesus today than what you were a year ago, there's something in your own heart you need to deal with. We've got to grow. Why? Because whether you're a brand new believer or you've been a believer for 50 years, you should be growing. Hear me when I say this. We should love more intently. We should serve more passionately. We should pray more fervently. And we should worship more purposefully. We should be intentional in that. If we're not loving more today than we did a year ago, we've got to fix that. We we talked about it yesterday. All of us, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. I've seen numbers anywhere from 350 to, you know, evangelistically speaking, about 2,500 we weren't at 2,500, but that's what I'm telling all my friends. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm totally not kidding. Anyways, we had people on the property, and you know what the idea was? Number one, let them have a fun time with family. But we also want them to know that there's a church here that loves people, and we care about people. Pure and simple. That's where it's at. We need to drive on that. We should be more about the things that drive him, and that's the lost coming to know Christ. Can I just tell you something? This, is good, this may shock you. Jesus doesn't care what color we painted the building. We care. But Jesus doesn't, that's not a big deal to him. Okay? I would venture to say about 85% of the things that matter to us probably don't matter a whole, whole lot. What matters is the fact that there is a community around us that is dying and going to hell. That's what matters. There should be something that galvanizes us and drives us like never before to be that much more intentional, to be that much more passionate about it. 
So as a church, we, we are going to walk in the identity he's given us. We're going to build on our past, and we're going to be even more galvanized about our purpose and our calling. But my question for you is this, and I'm going to ask for just a moment, please nobody move. I'm going to ask everybody stay tight for just a couple of minutes. My question for you is, will you start to walk in the identity God's called you to? Will you really start to walk in that identity? Stop walking in the defeated identity. Walk in what God called you to be. Will you start to really walk in and deal with both the positive and the negative areas of your own personal past? Stop letting those things define you. And then my last piece is this, simply this. Will you allow him to galvanize your personal drive one more time? How do churches grow? I promise you, it's not building bigger buildings. How do churches grow? You have to have excellent leadership, staff in place. That is a big piece of it. But can I tell you something? We could have the best leadership, and guess what we do? We've got studs. I mean, these guys are amazing. But can I tell you, having the greatest leadership in place won't grow the church. You know what really grows the church? When every one of us own this ourselves. So you know what? I've got a neighbor. They need to know Jesus. We renew what we really, really, really are about. We allow it to renew something inside of us. We continue to give to missions. We continue to be about those pieces. Yes, all of that needs to be there. But my challenge to you is this. Will you let it drive you like never before? Will you really let it make your personal mission, your personal calling with Christ a priority instead of a, and then some? Does that make sense? Father, Thank you that you're in this house. Thank you that you love us and you care for us. And I pray, God, that you would speak to us now. Let us walk out of here. Thank you for listening to Journey Church On Demand. We would love for you to visit us in person for one of our Sunday morning worship services. If you have questions, need prayer, or would like to connect with us, feel free to visit us at journeychurchdfw.com.